HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. This week on Meet and 3, we explore the relationship between food and style. I knew from the start that I never wanted to, like, hot glue bread onto my body. <laughs> like, I wanted to be able to eat, enjoy it after, and I did. Food, which is so ephemeral, right? It's something that you eat and it disappears. With an image, it remains. It stays alive forever. Food and fashion align in that they're both lenses through which to look at culture, right? And they're both also tangible things we can use to express ourselves and our identities. Tune in to Meet in 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Je suis un grand canard, monsieur la tête de bombe de terre. Lou, are you speaking in tongues? Oh, Chava, I thought you spoke French. I do, Lou. I lived in Nice for a year. And what exactly is that that you're trying to speak? <laughs> well, I'm trying to speak French. Okay, if you say so. And what are you trying to say in French? I am saying I would like to try your sombre mezcal, please. Again, okay, if you say so. But why are you attempting to order your sombre in French? Oh, Chava, young Chava, have you not heard? There is a new sombre on the market, the Reposi. I think you mean reposado? No, Chava, that's Spanish. I'm speaking French. Then I think you mean reposé. Ah, le reposé is fantastico. <laughs> Still not French, but could you please get to the point? Yeah, sure. Sombra has a new aged version of their award-winning Espadine Mezcal and is being aged in Bored Duck's oak wine barrels. <laughs> Good Lord, Bordeaux. Oh, yeah, yeah, that actually sounds better. Bordeaux wine barrels from, um, from, me. could you read this for me? Okay, okay, let me check. Chateau Le Ville Poiferet. Wow. That's one of the original second growth states in Bordeaux established in 1855? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure exactly what second growth means, but I can tell from all of your exclamation points that it's significant, which is what I figured from everything I've been reading about this. So I'm thinking the next time I go to a mezcal bar and I try to order a copita full of sombra rep... Sombra... Sombra reposé. Right. Next time I go to order a copita of sombra reposé, I'm going to have to be able to speak fancy. Fancy talk gets you fancy mezcal. 
I'm guessing you could just say I like the sombra reposé. You know nothing is that simple with me, Chava. I do, Lou, but for everyone else, just say I like the sombra reposé. This episode of Agave Road Trip is also brought to you in part by Agave Road Trip. Wait, wait, what does that even mean, Lou? Isn't every episode of Agave Road Trip brought to you by Agave Road Trip? Well, yeah, in in part, that's right. But this is a special episode, Chava. Ooh, special how, Lou? Oh, oh, Chava, I'm hurt. Have you forgotten? This, this is our first anniversary. What? It's been a full year of Agave Road Trip. Have I survived that? <laughs> yes, yes, you have. So, so I thought that we deserve to do something special, you know, for us. Oh, no. You mean like we should advertise our Agave Road Trip t-shirts or our genuine certified <laughs> road tripper membership program? Oh, Java, you are always thinking like a capitalist. No, what I mean is something special for us. You and me. That sounds creepy. What do you mean? Oh, you know what I mean. Or at least Roy does, because I hear the beats in the background. Oh, gringas and gringos, for the first time ever in our podcast, we are proud to present a full and complete Agave Road Trip theme song <laughs> written by Lou Bank, produced by Gabriel <laughs> Oliveira, and vocals with Mark Rico. With apologies for Jason for the episode going beyond 12 minutes. Two dudes named Lou and Chava In a car not built for back roads Travel back roads never meant for cars Their singular objective Is to learn about agave Bring the knowledge back to Gringo Bars Dava 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 dividi boom di boom Agave road trip Dava 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 dividi boom di boom Agave road trip I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Periva. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today... Today, Chava, what I want to put onto that tee and, uh, and bat out over into your field, into left field there, is why aren't more wine drinkers drinking mezcal? Because they're different people. <laughs> well, well, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, when I say this, uh, yeah. I, 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 I mean obviously there are different people, but what I mean is the context. When you go to a wine event, when you go to to a restaurant, there are a group of people that are drinking wine. They usually look very different to how the mezcal crowd looks like. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to tip this one back to you now. Okay. Would you say that our friend Guillaume Cuvelet from Davos Brands, does he look like somebody who would drink wine or drink mezcal? It's a wonderful exception. I think that's why we need his quote right away. <laughs> okay, so let's <laughs> let's start with the quote from Guillaume. Take it away, Guillaume. Is I think what attracts me in a way, or probably gave me the idea of bringing those Bordeaux barrels to Oaxaca, is that... I could see the similarities with between winemaking and, and, and mezcal in the sense that mezcal is really about the terroir. It's about you know embracing and, under, and and kind of capturing the flavors of the locale. And and it's really what wine is about. Yes. <laughs> okay, so he gets it. Yes, but that's the part that what that when when I say there are different people, I I, I tend to find 
in the mezcal context, either a younger crowd or a more, uh, I don't want to use adjectives that are going to insult anyone, but uh, it, it, it tends to be more of a early adopters of stuff kind of crowd. I think the people that drink wine, they're people that learn this from their parents, their grandparents. Of course, there's like new wine drinkers, but I tend to find that, that in wine, it's sort of a more established tradition. Whereas in Mezcal, I see like all these people that are more craving new stuff that are, that are jumping on this shift. Hmm. Like, like think about investment. Like I, I will claim that in, in wine, you have like people that love investing more into like all, like blue chip stocks. Whereas, the, <laughs> where, where, so, whereas in, 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 in the Mezcal context, it's all these people throwing their money into Bitcoins. Okay, so, so, so sit at the bar and show me your investment portfolio before I, I suggest what you should drink. Absolutely. And I, I, and I think know, nine out of ten, I'll be right. Uh, yeah. Okay, which doesn't really answer the – like you're, you're saying then that there's no hope to move one – a wine drinker – uh, over to become a drinker of neat agave spirits. I think the part that that people don't quite understand is it has nothing to do with the technicalities. It doesn't matter how similar they are in terms of vintages, variation, uh, traditions, heritage. The context in which one is drank and the other are very different. The groups of people that appreciate one the other are very different. Oh. And, and, and the social oh. element of it is what's really waiting, at least right now. I'm, I'm I, saying, I, I, but, but I think, I mean... And, and I'm not saying there cannot be overlap, but I think, they, I, I think that is the opportunity. Again, like this is a podcast that helps gringo, an award-winning <laughs> podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. The point being, we want to give them tools. And I think, I think like this episode is an important episode for them because in theory, if we do our jobs right, if we want to really live up to that taste award, we have to help them figure out how to move those wine drinkers over to neat heritage agave spirits. And I think part of that starts as, starts with, okay, well, what are the barriers? And one of the barriers that comes to my mind okay, okay, okay. <laughs> is, you know, if I'm a wine drinker, I want to meet my friend at the bar. I sit at the bar. What do I order? Well, you know, maybe I get into the whole show me your wine list and maybe I just say, give me your house red because I want something really simple to start with. Right. And I think I don't think there is a good house red version of mezcal. You're not happy with your normal espadín? Well, well, I actually am. But I think the average. Okay, so if you think about what a house red is, it's usually an affordable, simple here. Drink this. And I think that, you don't drink a lot of wine. Well, but but like as a concept, sure, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay, you're right. I don't drink a lot of wine. That's fair. But um, you know, I think the the mezcal version of the house red, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think the mezcal version of the house red is, in essence, a cocktail mezcal. And I got no problem with a mezcal that is made specifically to be put in cocktails. But because the Gringo palate tends to lean towards cocktails. And they tend to expect a mezcal cocktail to be smoky. I think the cocktail mezcal, or in essence, the house red of mezcals, is going to be overwhelmingly smoky compared to what they would normally expect or get even from a from a more heritage made. But is that a problem? Like I I I I I there's so many over the top smoky stuff that I what or whatever is called smoke top smoky uh stuff that i do not mind at all that i think it's 
uh, fine. Well, yes, but you've also said in previous episodes that you don't really taste smoke. And it wasn't no. until Gringo said it's smoky yeah, that you yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, like, to you and even to me, and not even like even before I started drinking uh, mezcal, I, I, I was cooking so many pigs on my big green egg that smoky kind of disappears because on my I, I don't think I quite agree with you on that one because then what will be a nice okay. oh. a, 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 a nice house red like we'll just say that it has to be something that it's that it's has a really good middle ground between <laughs> like know. agave and like what is that what's that flavor profile that will define a good God, it's funny I, I this is gonna make you nuts when i oh, say no. it but i think maybe no Maybe no. it's a Salmiana from San Luis Potosí. Oh, no, no, you're going to traumatize people. I Wait, uh, no. Oh, I think it's lovely. I think it's got this beautiful pepper. And even when it's smoky, I think that peppery, I think that peppery flavor that, that sort of tastes like poblanos to me, um, not like black pepper, but poblanos, I think that tends to um, to speak louder than the smoke does. Maybe, you know, another, like on that note though, I, and I'll, I'll let you go with that one. Uh, but, <laughs> but on another note, I also think, you know, if you're sitting for lunch with, with a friend and just for a beer and a, and a cup of wine, it, it's not perceived by third parties. And you're like in your lunch break uh, in work, it's not perceived as the same as if you ask for a, a two ounces of hard liquor. Well, you know, okay. So I think that's a great point, right? When you, because when you order two ounces of liquor, it's seen as a shot and people are not, <laughs> at least here in the USA, we're not accustomed to drinking neat spirits slowly by sipping, which is really the only way to appreciate well, these of beautiful Of course you do. Spirits. You have scotch. Come on, Okay, how many people drink scotch when it's not scotch and soda in the USA? I'll say a lot. Okay, you say a lot. You live in Mexico City. <laughs> okay. You guys drink Buchanan's. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. I'll, I'll... Like, I, what I'm telling you is you're not seeing a lot of gringos going into bars in the USA and saying, hey, g you know, give me give me your, your scotch. Uh, with, you, with do you think lunch. it would make a difference if they were to serve you the two ounces in an old-fashioned instead of a shot glass? Oh, without question, I think it would make a difference. But I also think that two ounces is a lot. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I tend to think of when I'm sipping, I tend to do a one ounce pour. And, and it gives me, if I want more, I can order a second something. But, I, you know, to me, that's sort of the equivalent of your, your glass of red wine is a one ounce pour that you can slowly sip on while you're having a conversation with your best friend. Yes, and, and 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 that in so many ways resembles the. There, there's a reason why the American coffee is called an americano. Yeah, you know, like like an, an americano. Yeah. That's what you guys you you guys like big pours of something you can be sipping for hours. Like wine, <laughs> like, I don't drink a lot of coffee. This is so. This is an americano. Yeah, an americano. Like when you go American coffee, I'm an americano. It's a, it's a, it's a watery long glass of coffee. Whereas in Italy, Brazil, other places, you have your espresso, which is a shot. So maybe it's it's just an American problem. God, you know, I'm, I'm I hate myself for thinking this, but now I'm thinking maybe the answer is oh god, I can't remember the words. You'll know this. What what is the 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 red stuff that you drink alongside sangrita? Sangrita, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe that's the answer. Okay, is, but explain sangrita though first. I'm not sure that I can. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, sangrita is uh, it's actually. It's called a flag in Mexico sometimes, uh, also referred as a flag. So like F-L-A-G? Yeah, yeah, the flag, like the thing that 
blows around yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, tells yeah. you that you're from a country. Uh, so you have, uh, they, you'll ask for a flag and it's usually a, sh- a shot of tequila, a shot of uh, lemon juice and a shot of sangrita, which is this prepared drink made out of like tomato juice and sp- spicy agents. Uh, and usually really citrusy, at least the ones I've had. Very citrusy. It, like every bar, mm-hmm. every bar that respects the cantina, that respects themselves in Mexico City, will have their own recipe, secret recipe for the sangrita. And what you do, if you have it as a shot, if you have your tequila shot as a shot, then we'll have the shot of sangrita. But if not, you'll be sipping the two... <sighs> God, you know, and, and, and you can imagine the reason I hated myself for thinking it is because in essence you're going to be drinking something that's spicy or citrusy that pulls you away from the flavors of that beautiful agave spirit maybe hang on a second so maybe the solution maybe the solution is uh is like a topo chico is like a mineral water is like so that you've got something for the long sip yeah you have something for the long sip and like something to to i know maybe it's maybe it's just it it reframing your education uh, when reframing <laughs> your education about the spirits about about how you consume stuff yeah i don't think anybody's gonna do that quickly over lunch <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but none of, you know but i think that maybe that is the point to this episode is none of this is going to be easy right like right now mezcal sales are it, we always say 1%, but the last time I checked, it was actually closer to like 1.8% of mm-hmm. tequila sales yeah, it's in the it's USA. Fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is like still just tiny, 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 but has almost doubled over the last five years. Okay. And, 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 and sorry. And, and so, so my point being, like, maybe we're actually on the right path. Like, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. Like, I'm not working behind a bar. I don't own the Mezcal <laughs> brand. I, like, I, I don't have any real stake in this that is beyond emotional. But That's um, a very important stake. Sure, <laughs> sure. But, you know, maybe, in fact, I, I got no business being frustrated that it's taking uh, the consumer population um, decades to relearn habits. Well, I also think that the one thing that irritates the hell out of you is that all these stories that are linked to wine about heritage, about terroir, about how special this thing is and how hard it is to make it and the level of skill of the wine professional, it's not understood with with such length or such passion in the mezcal context by, by a wider audience. When, if we're trying to be absolutely objective, sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes the mezcal makers have a lot more experience and it's a lot more complex to make what they're doing than the most expensive wine. Right. Yeah. You know what? There you go. You've just, you put your finger on it there. And, and what, what scares me, right. Is that, is that the, the consuming public, the public that is consuming red wine doesn't recognize that this thing exists. And I think they, the the people who really do truly love fine wine and will go into a restaurant and drop $300 for a bottle that they share among four people in a night. Is that a thing? That seems like a thing. Yeah. Okay. That those are the people who could potentially help to preserve 
this tradition of handmaking these spirits in a way that has disappeared in most of the world. And if and if those people who sh- who should be <laughs> morally mm-hmm. obligated to help uh, uh, to help protect this heritage, if they ignore it, does the industry end up leaning more heavily towards that smoky version of mezcal that you drink in a cocktail, which ends up causing more of these families to not be able to continue doing what they're doing that makes these beautiful versions that we love okay, so uh, much. I'll close up with this example. So, and it's, it's a fashion example. So say you love fine textiles. Okay, and, sure. I love uh, fine textiles. Exactly. And Hermes, you know what Hermes is? Hermes? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so we they, call it Hermes here. Uh, so they do really fine silk. And if you were to check the same analogy that you're trying to, to suggest, an Hermé connoisseur or, or, or a buyer of this brand will also be extremely interested in hand-woven textiles of Mexico. Mm-hmm. The truth is that doesn't quite happen. They're interested, yes, in the silk, but also in the brand and the places where they buy this, the context where that is acknowledged to be of value, yeah. the, the, how elegance is perceived through this specific type of prints and textures, they're not necessarily profoundly interested in the in, in the technical parts of how this product was made. So the fact that they can acknowledge value in this highly technical product doesn't mean that that appreciation can translate to something that it's even more valuable because that thing that might be more valuable is not, not acknowledged with the same appreciation in the context that they inhabit. So, so then, what should gringo bartenders do, Chava? <sighs> Try to change that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think gets gets back to that idea that maybe they have been doing this all along, and maybe that's why this market is growing at the pace it's growing. Which, as a, as you know, again, it's a tiny, but the the pace of growth is enormous. So maybe it really is happening at a at a greater rate than um, than I'm seeing. I hope. Okay. Really hope. Yeah. Okay, I think we'll wrap it there. Adios. Hasta pronto. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.